Kevy, it's Cooper. Good luck today, mate. Now, when you're fired up, I think the Broncos fire up. So I want to see you fire up for today's game, mate. But I'm fired up already. That's the boy, Kev. That's the boy. Save it for the I'm getting all fired up. I'm all fired up and lonesome. Crackdown week eight. Lockdown week two. Welcome to Fire Up 2021 episode 14. Coming to you on the Batuta Advocates Diamantina podcast network. Subscribe, like, write a review, etc, etc. Once again, ravaged by the lockdown, but showing true resilience in the face of challenge by adapting to these unprecedented times and recording remotely. And what a week Crackdown 8 and Lockdown 2 has been. So much to get fired up about. For rugby league purists, fans of the greatest game of Balls, pantomime, melodrama, pot twists, and unexpected narrative arcs. This would have to be one of the greatest weeks of rugby league in the NRL era. Blowouts, arguments over the causes of blowouts, once again dividing us into anti-Volandites who say the rule changes are to blame when they've ruined the game, and the Volandites who say the rule changes have merely exposed the toxic culture at some of the NRL franchises like they're some sort of bad yogurt. And speaking of toxic cultures, after five Bulldogs were stood down for flagrant COVID breaches by going and having lunch at a Bondi Cafe and subsequently getting pantsed by the Travojevic gang from the Insula Peninsula to the tune of 66-0. I believe it's Manly's biggest ever winning margin. But wait, there's more. 13 Dragons players were so inspired by the idiocy of the Bulldogs' Bondi 5 that while the depleted dogs were having their very pants unceremoniously pulled down and their tender bare bottoms spanked, these 13, as the Daily and Sunday Telegraph's league reporter on ABC Sports Sideline Eye and friend of the show Michael Carianos calls them, these 13 COVIDiots went to repeat COVID offender Paul Vaughan's house for a barbecue, flouting the very lockdown that our dear Gladys has put on, which gave them privileged provisions so they could keep playing the great game of rugby league. Thus, the fabric of Australian society would not be torn apart. Then there are Roosters players with a COVID scare. Storm Origin reps being stuck in Melbourne because Christian Welsh has a snotty nose. And here at Fire Up, we're all about arts. Music, science, and rugby league. So I was personally delighted to see an article by News Limited newbie Jasper Bruce writing about the changes in origin squads. Jasper wrote, <clears throat> and I quote, Queensland welcomes back Knights fullback Kalen Ponga for the third game of the series after injuries kept him out of both last year's postseason tripnik and the first two games of this series. Last season's triptych. Triptych, a term usually reserved for three-panel artworks in medieval churches or a series of three Renaissance canvas paintings. Think of Jerome Bosch, The Garden of Earthly Delights. Think of Francis Bacon, The Three Studies of Lucian Freud. I'm getting so fired up about the confluence of art and rugby league. Chris, there's so much to get fired up and so little time. The very name of this podcast came from a famous dragon who was the son of a famous dragon. And dragons, of course, are famous for breathing fire to fire people up with regard to this latest controversy that's got newspapers and news websites running hot. Chris, what has gotten you fired up? Player welfare, Dennis Carnahan, and welcome in what surely is one of the most momentous weeks in the history of our game. 
Has anyone, I mean, everybody's focusing on the Shell Harbour 13. Well, in fact, if you were watching 100% footy last night, it was the Shell Harbour 12 because Jared Beale was fined such an inconsiderate, in, inconsiderable amount of money he didn't actually make the two screens of the offenders. But everyone's focusing on the Shell Harbour 13. Paul Vaughan and his co-videots, as you so uh, gently name them. But what about the likes of Jackson Ford, Cody Ramsey and Andrew McCulloch? Leave the Origin players out of it. We know why they weren't there. But why weren't these gentlemen invited to the barbecue, Dennis? Is this club so split asunder that they've divided into two <laughs> factions and these poor kiddies who are trying to play it, play their trade in rugby league at both ends of the spectrum, Ramsey at the beginning, McCulloch surely at the end. Is anyone looking out for them today as this issue reverberates through the very fabric of, dare I say it again, our game? Are you suggesting that those gentlemen you named, Ramsey, McCulloch, that they are Volandites and the others are anti-Volandites? I'm not suggesting anything, Dennis, but I, given that we've heard that some of the members of the Shell Harbour 13 took refuge under beds and in cupboards, I'd hate to think that they hold up in the attic and it's the Vaughns have inadvertently <laughs> locked it and those poor guys are still up there. Someone, go, still check there. Their, someone go check the attic down at Shell Harbour, please. Because initially they were being called the Dirty Dozen because there was 12 named. But there was 12 named because Jack DeBellin was still hiding under the bed. So he literally hadn't made the report That's when the right. whole thing first broke. I really felt for Beale. I mean, if you're going to get in trouble, I mean, you think at least you could get on national television. But they only had room for six names per graphic on Channel 9. And Beale, who only got one game and two grand, didn't make the cut. Paul Vaughan himself, has uh, he's got an eight-week suspension. Now, that's from the NRL. Yes, so they all got a $1,000 fine from the cops. Yes. So he's got an eight-week suspension. Um, and I believe it's gone further that he's actually had his contract torn up. <laughs> it hasn't is- just been switched off. <laughs> It hasn't been terminated. It hasn't been binned. It hasn't been shredded, as has been pointed out uh, amongst the, the Fire Up Facebook group. It's been, as all rugby, rugby league contracts are when they come to an end, Dennis, they've been torn up. And let's face it, if players were smart in this world of e-contracts, which they're not, clearly, they would be getting their uh, electronic signatures on an electronic contracts because then they'd be hauled in to head office uh, to be uh, dragged over the proverbial hot coals for whatever offence that they've committed and the club could threaten will threaten to tear up your contract and with impunity the player could say try your best because last time I checked a digital contract can't be torn up and never will be torn up but you can still print them out and then with impunity Rip them up and throw them over your shoulder. Now, well, you've got to think about Paul Vaughan. If I was the RLPA, I'd say I'd see you in court. You've got to think about Paul Vaughan. Paul Vaughan, he's a Quangers boy, and he came from the Raiders. This is a club that bought the rugby league Todd Carney. Yes. Josh Dugan. Dukes. Joel Monaghan. That's right. We've <laughs> had so much joy. So imagine the club that they signed Curtis Scott. Imagine if that club lets you go before you've done your controversies, because that club looked at you and went, you are so up for a controversy, for an atrocity. We're going to let you go before it happens. That's got to be a mark. Let's face it, when Paul Vaughan came to the Dragons, initially he played his best football, and I think you'll find he was 
part of a successful origin tilt a few years ago, but he's played with a barely contained fury and ferocity, reflecting the fact that he realized that he'd missed his opportunity to add to that great pantheon of Raiders transgressors. I mean, they really are storied, <laughs> the, the likes of the Carnies, the Dugues, the Fergos, and he's oh. yeah, the, the rest of his career is trying to make up. And let me tell you, he's made up for it and then some. And I mean, obviously the clubs are queuing up right now. I'm certainly hope the West Tigers are at the front of the queue to sign him and secure his <laughs> services. But uh, uh, former creator of this show, Brett Oden, of course, highlighted that with Vaughan having time on his hands and given uh, that he is a repeat COVID offender, he might be able to get a gig down at the uh, uh, Barrel Organics store where they seem to be going against the grain where if you're wearing a mask, you're not allowed into the store for hygiene reasons. And if you've been vaccinated within the last 14 days. Similarly, you're not welcome within the store. I think Paul Vaughan will find a home. I don't fear for the kid. I think he'll find gainful employment in barrel soon enough. You think he'll be selling no jab t-shirts in the barrel organic shop? That'd be fantastic. I mean, didn't didn't you feel that, that there was something broader than... Look, first of all, uh, Redfern Pat, who we'll hear from later, pointed out a, a couple of things. I think he, he noted it must be really tough for anyone who heard that they weren't invited by the the, the story breaking the likes of of um, Ford, Ramsey and McCulloch. It must have been a real blow to them. But he, but, uh, he also – what did you point out, Pat? I believe it was Hook DJing at the game. That's what rubber. I was remembering. So the, the word and it was got on out. Stephen Ferris's birthday too. And yeah, he so wasn't there. Well, so Hook had to DJ. As I said, if you check the attic. So, <laughs> you know, this was this was quite a, a celebration. As we know, Stephen Ferris has joined the St. George Illawarra coaching ranks this year. You know, it's a it's a team infused with youth, the likes of Peter Gentle and Matthew Elliott and Hook himself. And I guess the guys were somewhat disappointed to find out that Hook had decided not to actually DJ at the event, as far as we know. But I would have thought... <laughs> Hook would have been thrilled that this was more evidence that the St. George boys are really getting around each other. And despite apparently, as soon as they'd secure the one point victory in that anything but thrilling victory over the New Zealand Warriors up at Central Coast Stadium on Friday night, they were apparently sat down and read the riot act and said, whatever you do, don't go to a party at Paul Vaughan's place at this particular time on Saturday. Wink, wink, wink. And all this interesting, all this spin that's been put out about the St. George uh, powers that be had advised the players not to go. My sources tell me that the whole thing was done with a bit of a wink and a nod because Hook saw this as a fantastic bonding opportunity for the boys. And but for some nosy neighbor down at Shell Harbor blowing the gaff, this would have all secured their drive to the 2021 Premiership. And by the way, do you know what the noise complaint, do you know what the generation of the noise complaint was? Was it Hooks DJing? It wasn't. Was he, play- he, was, he wasn't playing Sweet Caroline, was he? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he had, well, when the Saints going in on blue. No, it wasn't loud music. It wasn't raucous cheering. It was actually the collective groans of the fact that the Dragons had watched all three matches on Soporific Saturday, where the combined score was 148 to 6. And they're all students of the game. They all love rugby league. And they could see their great game and their media deal and ergo their salaries heading south as a result of where the 
where the game is going under the horsemen. So there were these groans emanating from Shell Harbour. So it was a concerned neighbour who actually run the police and said, I, <laughs> I, I, I believe there are some wounded animals at Paul Vaughan's place. I think, you know, a couple, a couple of birds have been electrocuted or something like that, or maybe a stray cat's caught itself up in the barbecue. And so the police went in there concerned for the kids. And all they found, first of all, of course, was uh, Corey Norman's wallet. So, well, look, I'll, I'll get to that in a moment. I'm, I'm just wondering what you were saying about the the, the Dragons coaching staff, the, the triptych of coaches, um, saying don't go and celebrate. It's one of Wayne Pierce's things that if you'd give instructions with a negative, the subconscious mind eliminates negatives. The subconscious yeah. mind only believes in positives. Yeah. So if you say, don't go and celebrate, all the subconscious mind hears is go and celebrate. Because That's we know- all it hears. So I think Wayne Pierce could be to blame for this. Well, and finally, you know, we might uh, later in this program have a look at who's the real architect of the blowout. And let me tell you, Junior's name is starting to be mentioned in dispatches, mm. particularly by one Buzz Rothfield. But uh, put it this way, rugby league is attracts risk takers and mm-hmm. people with a can-do attitude. So whenever you tell a rugby league player you can't do, you're right, Dennis, they just transfer that into we can do. And Exactly. And, 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 and to be honest, I certainly interpreted it. I mean, they will be known forever as the Shell Harbour 13. They've joined the Royal Ranwick Five from the Canterbury Bankstown Bulldogs. If you want to think further afield, what about the Chadston Five of the Indian cricket players over the recent summer? And of course, let's not forget Dukes. And I, I see <laughs> the them Dugan. as you mean the Dugan One, the Dugan One. Um, and let me tell you, it's used to that. And I, I see these guys as countercultural heroes. I, I think we'll be looking back. I watched the trial of the Chicago Seven on Netflix during lockdown over the weekend and was very impassioned by the commitment of people like Tom Hayden and Abby Hoffman and people like that, I believe that within two or three months, we'll be seeing a very quickly cobbled together trial of the Shell Harbour 13. And I think we'll <laughs> learn the real secrets of what happened that day. And these guys will no longer be vilified, but they'll be worshipped and revered for the pioneers and the can-do attitude people that they are. Speaking of can-do attitude, um, Corey Norman. <laughs> so you alluded to this before. Corey Norman. Tell us about Corey Norman's wallet. What sort well, of wallet are we got? Are we talking, are we talking leather? Are we talking one of those old, like, surf scene Velcro and, and, uh, and nylon fabric like they used to have that, you know, with reef maybe on the side like they had in the 80s? Or what's he got? Well, if it's like my last wallet, I was attracted uh, via the Alice Cooper store to the Billion Dollar Babies wallet because you kind of get the idea. you got the <laughs> Billion Dollar Babies logo on it and you think, well, I'll have a billion dollars in the wallet. Uh, and it was kind of synthetic alligator and it didn't really last the yeah. course, unfortunately. But um, look, at, look at it this way. I think uh, Norman's purchased a wallet that's uh, able to deal with harsh, cold conditions, basically on the assumption that he is definitely heading to Super League sooner than he might like. <laughs> And, uh, and, of course, it's also fire-resistant because, because said, said wallet was apparently found on the Vaughan barbecue. And let me tell you, I mean, they're top of the range, the Vaughans. They're, they're actually – you can go there and not only do they do your standard, you know, cook your chook, your fish, your lamb ribs, whatever, they've got a smoking capacity in that. So mm. you can get the slow-cooked lamb, whatever, whatever you like on the Vaughan barbecue. And, and the Norman wallet was uh, there sitting pretty. So, 
just on the barbecue, was it... Um, he wasn't barbecue man, was he? Because there's the famous Sydney icon barbecue man who spread COVID... Who, well, he didn't actually spread COVID, who tried to spread COVID all over the place at every barbecue galore shop in Sydney. Did he go to Shell Harbour? Is that where he got it? You can't rule it out. And, and also, there's been a lot made. I mean... Actually understanding the mathematics behind the fines, as you said, there was the $1,000 flag fall from the New South Wales police. And then the NRL's come up with a range of fines ranging at the top from Vaughan around the 50K mark with Corey Norman down to the measly two grand for Jerobil. And it's a complicated formula. Again, Redfern Pat pointed out the past indiscretions played into it. But it seems to be that you certainly got a premium in your fines for not telling the truth. And mm. Norman, for example, originally claimed it wasn't me, Gov, I wasn't there. In addition to the wallet, his vehicle was out the front. Personalized number plates and, <laughs> dare I say it, because if you saw Media Watch last night, I agree, please leave this, this man alone. But it was also a limousine. A limo. And, yeah. And, I mean, I'm not saying that Corey Norman is barbecue man into the Sydney limousine driver responsible for the <laughs> Bondi outbreak. This is all circumstantial evidence, but it was a pretty hefty fine, I've got to tell you. Did these, did these people not watch the test? Did they not see what happened with the Sandpapergate press conference? Like, this is... It really is one of those things where you are better off just coming clean. There's 13 people there. You're not going to keep a cone of silence. Just well, fess it, up. It's never the transgression, is it, Dennis? It's always the cover-up. And it's, it, was it's, really, it was interesting. We, we might come later to the, uh, uh, the round of football, but there was a controversial issue, issue in the Brisbane-Cronulla football game where there was a clear forward pass and somehow the bunker found a knock-on and Cooper Cronk described it as the greatest cover-up in rugby league and he was... Not quite on top of the <laughs> St. George issue. Well, but so fact, did that, that, that being the greatest, it, it might have been the greatest cover-up in rugby league at the time, but it's a bit like, was it Glenn Hausman who was always like two lengths behind Kieran Perkins? So as Kieran Perkins, so Glenn Hausman set a world record of 1,500 metres in the Olympics. The problem was he set it three seconds after. Yeah. Kieran Perkins has set one that was three seconds higher. And Lower. Daniel and Daniel Kowalski, you got a feel for both. Daniel of them. Kowalski, oh, but, poor but, kids. But but uh, telling the truth doesn't really help you too often. It seems. I guess another person who's uh, had his issues in recent times in rugby league, of course, was Jack DeBellin. His original position on the matter was: I briefly dropped into the Vaughan household because I was out walking my dog. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, the, the dog turned on him. The, the the cops put the spotlight on the dog and he barked and just came into Bellin, who it turns out was taking refuge under one of the, the Vaughan uh, beds, apparently. So um, whether these guys were confused and it was just one elaborate game of hide and seek and they just, you know, you know, because I was actually once at one of those dinner parties and, you know, there was interactions with the waiter and then all of a sudden the waiter sort of, uh, started accusing me of, and it was, it was celebrating my birthday as it happened, and celebrating, uh, accusing me of all sorts of improprieties, and and then pulled out a revolver, and it turns out it was true. He was going to kill me, but in other dinner parties, that was like a paid actor, and and I think that the St George players, given that Hook Griffin had set this all up to begin with, you know, nudge nudge Hook, you know, wink wink don't go, that they thought that the police and, you know, all that was just an elaborate bonding exercise. <laughs> so when the police... So that's why... Because I remember growing up in Canberra, uh, 
I went to my first party in year seven and the parents were away of, of the party house and there were people smoking dope. And I was, I'd seen it smoked before, but there's people drinking and smoking. This is the age like 12 and 13. And I was quite innocent at that point. I was a little bit confronted. Anyway, the neighbours have called the police. The police have turned up and the girl who whose house it was has invited the police in. Sure. And the police have come in and gone and just given us a spray, a Bellamy-style spray, you, and swearing, you fucking idiots. You, you absolutely, okay. Firstly, there's no adults here. There's someone's big brother who's 16. Doesn't count as an adult. If you're going to have a party, have an adult here. Second, if the police come to the door, you do not invite us in. We can't come in if you don't invite us. You've invited us in. I can see your bong. I, I, I heard the toilet flush when I came in. Don't invite the police in. Third, don't make so much noise that you make yourselves conspicuous. <laughs> and then this is, we don't want to have to write this up. We don't want to have to come back here. All of you, quieten down and slowly drift off home and you'll be fine. If we have to come back, then we're gonna, it's going to be worth writing a report. And then they left. So they gave us instructions on how to have a party without getting ourselves in trouble. Well, Do you think that these that Paul Vaughan's wife has seen the cops, hadn't had that lecture when she was thirteen, yeah. and has gone, "Oh, fellas, come on in." And yeah. here's Corey Norman's wallet. Or maybe she even thought, "Oh, fellas, yeah, sure, come on in," expecting that they had Velcro pants, whoosh, and, and they were going to join and spice the party up. I tell you, all I'm hearing from that is is that typical bohemian lefty type of uh, authority you've got down in Canberra, which is why this country is in so much trouble if that's the environment that people are growing up in. And, and secondly, I presume that you blazed away later on in that party and that was uh, the end of it and you were down a slippery slope. What, no, what do you, where where do you see this all ending up? I think that uh, people originally go, wow, it's going to be tough for St. George, but there was some favouritism shown into the fact that the one-game suspensions can be metered out across the, be staggered. <laughs> the uh, across four games. But if you actually think about it, if, if they just basically forfeited, it would have only cost them two points. But they've actually got to endure this pain at three, leaving Vaughan out of the discussion, three players per game over four games is one way of approaching it. Or they well, can, uh, they some, can bite the bullet look and at- drop six for two. I mean, it's going to be a fascinating mathematical consideration, Dennis. Some might look at some of the players that have been uh, caught and might have to be dropped and go, gee, they might play a whole lot better without him. That's right. <laughs> so it, it, could be, it could be the thing that actually saves their season rather than pulls it apart. Let me tell you, Hooker's been looking for some motivation and he goes, listen, boys, you, you, you bonded you together and they're all against us. Uh, this is our time. Uh, what a story it could be. Yes, it could indeed. Now... I'm feeling a bit musical. I think it's time for a song. Should we throw to a song? Let's favour, as I said, the St. George Illawarra players. They're cultural heroes and they go, Bubble, what bubble? I'm forever blowing bubble Pretty bubbles in the air They fly so high Nearly reach the sky They like my dreams they fade and die. We bubble, no more trouble. Pretty bubbles in the air. Now you got to give credit 
um, uh, a little bit to the dogs. I, I thought they turned up um, really well. So it was a really, you know, it was a real tight struggle there. Um. So from Dean Martin, the king of cool, to a team that are playing a cool style of footy, according to Daily Cherry Evans. What 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 leads? What makes a cool style of footy, Chris? It's a very very good question, Dennis. And it was uh, to me. Daly Terry Evans is clutching at straws because he had an absolutely horror second origin. And uh, there was no greater humiliation for poor old DCE that the team talk at the end where the circle is, boys, we've got to pull it together. We've got to pull it together for ourselves, our families, our coaching staff, our fans, our state, our Commonwealth. It was Ben Hunt that was leading the discussion. That's how bad it was for DCE. So at least he's able to go back to the comparative half of the Northern Peninsula and say, this is where I belong. This is where I live. And he says, we're playing a cool style of footy at the moment. There's a good vibe of training. And if anything, it helps distract me and refocus. And that's the genius of someone like Daily Cherry Evans, who is able to be distracted and refocused at the same time. And, (laughs) and, And let me tell you, when you actually look behind what a cool style of footy is, I'll give you two words, Tom Trevojevich. Now, I believe that um, Trent Barrett had something to say about the Trevojeviches. He did, because this came off the back of Tom breaking through the defence yet again, getting over the line and waiting for his brother Ben, and he passed the ball to Ben for what turned out to be overruled as not a try and Trent had this to reflect on it. Tom's a good player but as a human being the selfless act to throw the pass for Ben Trebojevic for a try that was pulled up. What's that say about Tom, Baz? Looking after his brother. (laughs) They're a good family mate, we all know that. Can't you just hear the jaundice in T-Baz about the endless crap that goes on about the Trevojevic family. If I had to hear again that they're down at junior footy, you know, marking out the lines, handing out the oranges, motivating the kiddies. I watched that game. It wasn't a game. Manly should have scored 90. If I'm Des, I'm furious. Like I've got to uh, say, if, if, um, if Bellamy was the coach of Manly, he would have been blowing up because Bellamy does not care about the scores. Bellamy doesn't care about blowouts. All Bellamy cares about is the process. Right. He doesn't care about the result. All he cares about is the process. So if you're bombing tries, he doesn't care if you're 66 nil up. If you're bombing a try, you are going to have Bellamy spittle on your face as he roars at you and swears and calls you every Carmichael under the sun because yeah. he doesn't care. So All they, he wants is process. They scored 11. They blew about six. It should have been 100. Mm. And you're right. Bellamy, I'm like... I reckon Travoyevich would be in reserve grade this week for that performance. The hubris of the man is to cross the line and then wait for your bro. And pay, like, like Tebaz, I'm sick of this Travoyevich lionization. It was appalling to watch. And, and look, I, I felt for Canterbury who was short can, the Royal Round Week 5. So, you know. Can I throw you a, a couple of words? Showboating? Yes. Yeah. Grandstanding? Uh, <laughs> Galaz? <laughs> What about this one? Layering up. Layering up, exactly. <laughs> can yeah, well, I, can, I, I, can I, I be the first on record to say Manly Ringa Seagulls 2021 Mug Lairs? Mug Lairs! <laughs> of course they are. Uh, I've got to say, though, with the, the cool style of footy, cool, such a oh, yeah, lame, tr- tremendous football, lame very low back, great vibe. <laughs> cool style of footy. Oh, it reminds me cool, that. I've always thought that was the most dreadful song, and like it's appropriate that Phil Collins covered it. Groovy kind of love. If any girl said to me, oh, our love's really groovy, dumped. I'm, I'm not taking that. I'd take great offence to that. Groovy kind of love. Cool.
cool style of footy. Cool. Cool was the word that Peter Volandis, when I was working, when I was doing a jingle for New South Wales Racing a few years ago, Peter Volandis wrote the lyrics about it. And I had to sing Peter Volandis' lyrics. And I had a long argument with the advertising manager saying, saying the words, cool, hip, place to play, when you're trying to attract 25-year-olds, those two words are 60s words. You don't call things cool and hip in this millennia. That's totally pushy stuff if you uh, follow an itchy and scratchy. But uh, I tell you what, though, it it does give me some thought to... Peter Volandi is doing a sort of an autobiographical tune to the tune of I Am The Walrus, you know, I Am The Horseman. <laughs> doop, doop, de, doop. Look, well, uh, I know Peter listens, so Peter, if you want someone to do the backing for you, I'll happily do it and do the back. But obviously, Peter would write the lyrics himself. I'm happy to executive produce. <laughs> T-Baz was asked a pretty pointed question at the end of his press conference by, I believe, Hannah Hollis. Do you think this, this might be considered as one of the darkest days in the dog's history, the result? I think that's going a bit far. There's got to be some pretty is it, is it T-Baz? It's certainly the biggest loss they've had to the uh, the Seagulls. I believe it was Seagulls' biggest win. Yes, it was. It, it actually eclipses their victory over Penrith in, uh, in the early 70s, 70 points to seven, which, by the way, was in the era of the three-point try. And... I actually remember that game. I wasn't there, but I remember that game because it was one of the early instances of when the ABC, which used to show the match of the day on the Saturday, which was at the cricket ground and it was a six o'clock replay, yep. the next chink in the armour in terms of shifting from you must go to the games to being able to watch them live on television was they would go live for the second half on the Sunday ah, game. Yep. And, I, and I remember being up the road at the Cutler household, home of the great Steve Cutler, a.k.a. Skylab, part of the 84 glam, Grand Slam in, I uh, can't remember what the sport was, uh, and seeing Manly absolutely oh, torch the, Penrith. That was part of the space race, wasn't it, Skylab? And it, he, right. he came crashing to earth in the late yeah, 80s. In, in, in Western Australia somewhere, <laughs> down near Kalgoorlie, <laughs> yeah, I think. Yeah, so there was an absolutely huge win. And look, yeah, sure, I think there was... Some issue in the early 2000s where Canterbury might have been standing astride the top of the competition table and they got stripped of all their points. But mm. if I'm a Canterbury fan, at least they're a good team. Like, yeah, and, and that did that did get the Raiders into the top eight that year on, yeah. the, I mean, <laughs> on the back of that because we wouldn't exactly. have made it otherwise. Well, as a fan, yeah. would you rather your team is outstanding and caught cheating or absolutely godmotherless last like Canterbury and no hope of any redemption anytime soon because they're still recruiting backline, no, not a forward pack. Uh, I think I'd take good and cheating. Well, let's, let's let T-Baz have the last word. What else does he have to say, Pat? <laughs> Sorry, could you, could you repeat that again? <laughs> Oh, boy. Poor old T-Pass. The press conference really for the ages. Full doing it tough. Now, I'm, yeah, I'm pretty sure he has coached more than half of that manly team. Yes, oh. that's that's the thing that really galls him. And he was actually asked that question. He was It was put to him, you know, manly team looking pretty good. You've obviously had a lot to do with it. Like, trying to goad him into <laughs> you know, saying, yes, I help at that dynasty. I remember being at a sponsor's dinner in... 2005, which was a very important year in my life, Dennis. And I was, again, at the urinals. I know this is a recurrent uh, feature of my life. And Roy Simmons, who was an assistant coach for the West Tigers at the time, was there. And we exchanged pleasantries. And I had just read his autobiography. 
And I said, Royce, look, I read your book given to me by my good friend, Stephen Gorey. I said, really enjoyed it. He goes, I don't know about that book. And I go, what do you mean? He goes, well, they wanted details about my life. I just wanted to put in some funny stories. And I said, no, no, <laughs> no, it was really good. And of course, Penrith was coming off their 2004 premiership victory. And I oh, said, well, you, 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 yeah, yeah, skinny burn, sideline. I said, yeah. you must take some pleasure in that Royce having built that squad. He goes, no, I couldn't give a shit about that. I'm West Tigers now. And, and it was at that point, <laughs> at that urinal, that I knew we were going to win the premiership. Now, the fact that we were six and eight at the time wasn't an issue. Beautiful. Well, that, that brings us on to a team that's probably not quite six and eight, uh, probably more like four and 12, um, that is going to be playing the Mandaringa Seagulls this week. And it terrifies me to think that my Raiders could potentially be losing to a team that has Walker at fullback. Yes. That, that really that really upsets me. But Canberra, of course, Canberra played the Titans in Canberra. And Canberra's had a great track record against the Titans in Canberra. I recall a game, oh, it would have been 2010, where the Raiders were 22-0 up at halftime. And uh, it was Matt Orford's first game for the Raiders. And the Raiders lost that game. Whereas this week, oh, boy. Uh, what did Ricky Stewart say about the result, Pat? Welcome to Thinking Forty with the game's greatest thinker, Ricky Stewart. What do you put that down there, Ricky? It's not what we've not what we've practiced, mate. Thinking Forty with the game's greatest thinker, Ricky Stewart. So they don't train to get beaten like so that. They don't you, train to lose. Which yeah, just, you, that's a surprise. Because only a couple of weeks ago, he was saying, thank goodness we lost. So <laughs> you could be forgiven for thinking that maybe that's what they do practice in case they bring on Xavier Savage accidentally <laughs> and illegally. But this week, no, there was no Xavier Savage. There was just a loss. And surprise, surprise, it's not what they train for. I must say, you must take some comfort from those words because at least you're getting confirmation that they're not out there training to lose because (laughs) there there had been a lot of evidence to the contrary. I mean, that was really the centrepiece of Soporific Saturday and it went on to see the return of Kalen Ponga, Tom Trevojevic style to pilot the resurgent Newcastle Knights who apparently hadn't had their spine together since round two last year into a huge victory over the hapless Cowboys. And everybody was uh, really, really concerned about the future of rugby league. And if you were concerned and you focused on the last fixture of the round where my Tigers took on the South Sydney Rabbits, Dennis, you'd be equally concerned because can I just simply say, and this is an insight that I've patented and no one else has mentioned at all, it looked like it was a training run for South in the first half. Oh, with some orange... You were there, of course. I was there. There was just some orange witch's hats around and they... Generally, they found their way around said witch's hats. There was... um, a bit of resurgence. Like, the, the Tigers showed a bit of resilience in the second half. What, they scored 16 points? Well, they scored 22, but you can say that, Dennis, but I would like to make the observation about South's performance in the second half. And again, I've patented this because no one has made this observation about that performance. South switched off. Oh, I thought you were going to say something even more... Uh 
groundbreaking, like they'd put the cue in the rack. They'd taken, right. they'd taken the foot off the throat. They'd <laughs> backed off the pedal. Yeah, they're, they're thinking about next week, which was, which if I don't know if I got the buy, but it would be, you know, I don't know, I don't know, a party at Adam Reynolds' place. I'm not sure, but of course. <laughs> There's so much soul-searching going on at the Tigers at the moment, Dennis, and poor old Madge, he's really, really struggling, but he's continuing his pursuit for a solution to our problems. Imagine improved second half, but I suppose it doesn't mean much when you miss the jump 26-0 in the first half. Uh, for three weeks, our starts have been ordinary, so we've got to be accountable towards that. Well, what happened at the end there is, doesn't mean nothing, really. I mean, it's... Um, Sad to say that our start looked like a training run for South. It was um, very disappointing to sort of see us start like that. You know, we've done a lot of work and I need to find men that are going to be accountable to what we're doing. Um, yeah, it's not, it's not acceptable there for, for where we're going with the club. Look, our first half was, it was, um, it was garbage. Needs to find men. Yes. He's back to the, the recurring theme that for, for men's football, you need men. It's just, he's not suggesting he has women. What's he suggesting he has? I don't know. I think in 2021, it's a fairly loaded conversation where you say we're needing to find men. As we pointed out recently, he has been seen clutching a copy of Jane Feltz's The Inside Man. And this concept of men seems to be a bit of a catch-all for when you're not playing well what it doesn't really describe is the alternative and by the way i've contacted my intellectual property lawyers about him suggesting that south had a training run because i've patented that and uh i i'm not quite sure where this goes because i've had a i've had a pretty good long look at the roster and i'm not sure that he's going to uncover some additional men in there to be honest is it is it possible that he's not actually it's not the gender issue he's talking about but it's the age wisdom Courage issue that one associates that boys against men is that is that possibly where he's going that he's got a team of boys? Well, he was you know, asked about Dale Finucan, as everybody is these days, and he goes yeah. I, and he he wouldn't he wouldn't necessarily explicitly acknowledge that they're talking to Dale Finucan, which to me is code for we have talked to him, and he said not interested, Madge, but. <laughs> But Finucan seems to be the embodiment of that solution, a leader of players, someone who can be seen as a man who takes charge, takes authority. Pretty much like, I don't know, James Tarmow, who basically was on for 20 minutes and ran for 15 metres. So I, I, it's, it, it's an ongoing problem, Dennis. It's a definitely an ongoing problem. Because, I mean, the, the Panthers, who... Who did they, oh no, they had a, they had a, a tight game, didn't they? The Panthers, because the Panthers were missing a few players. Um, <laughs> but the Panthers, would would you say the Panthers were men? Would would Madge call the Panthers men? Because I'd suggest that there might be an issue with that. Because every week Brian Tor is Bezza. He's very happy to say full credit to the boys. Hundred percent. So maybe Madge is looking in the wrong spot. I could agree. Also, and 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 what do they sing? They sing boys to men. Yeah. Well, they're so, on a transition. And I think that, mm. you know, and again, there was a lot of footage of Toto warming up prior to the game with headphones doing some absolutely terrific busting of certain moves of the dance variety. And I think that this is the solution with rugby league is that it's, can I just say, it's not a result, it's a journey. It's not where you're going, it's how you get there. And it's the process. It's Bellamy the process. Style. It's totally the process. And so successful franchises, i.e. Penrith, Melbourne, formerly 
the Roosters. Um, gosh, it was tough watching them getting touched up by almost 50 points. Uh, it really was. Really, really broke my heart into a million pieces. Uh, is that too many of the unsuccessful franchises are thinking it's all about talent recruitment and that it's about finding men. Well, first of all, we have shown, and Reese Walsh won the fan poll ahead of Joey Manu and Nico Hines, that it's about recruiting good-looking players and it's yep. around recruiting good-looking players who are on a adolescent journey from boyhood to manhood. And mm. that is the secret to success in rugby league. It's not – well, that's my view. It's about recruiting good-looking boys on their journey to men but Wayne, P- uh, Wayne Pierce, he's, he's on my mind right now. Wayne Bennett put a sort of a, an alternate view to this in his press conference after the victory over the Tigers. You, you keep blaming the players. You're so far off the mark, it doesn't matter. You're not in club lean. You don't understand how it works. Until the club itself gets their management in order, order their whole, whole ship, the club, the players will not be able, be able to respond. It's unfair to say that the, the, the gulf in class and between the players is the issue. Is that what you're no, saying? I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that there's a gulf between the players and the issue. I'm saying the clubs, the way they're run and managed. There's a lot in that. Ooh. There's a lot in that. This is the hereditary versus environment argument in rugby league right now. Like I regard, Nurture versus nature. Yeah, I regard the, the round 16 where the combined winning versus losing score lines was 316 to 76. As very much like the French movie Le Grand Bouffe, where four well-to-do French Mm. gentlemen got together in a mansion and ate themselves to death. And what is the cause of these blowouts? And the hereditary argument to me is a little bit along the lines of what Wayne's talking about there, which is roster management. And then, of course, the other factor, which is the environment, is the rules. And... Even as respected a luminary as Paul Kent has published an article this morning saying, I agree with Wayne, it's roster management. But last night on NRL 360, when he started to describe the rules and the impact on the game, came to a real-time realisation that it's more than that. And I think the, the, the hereditary environment argument is somewhat misplaced because, as we've discovered, it's about good-looking boys on their journey to manhood. That's the secret of rugby league success. But Wayne also, he's always interested, Dennis. There's always an agenda. So in that press conference, <laughs> he doesn't have a job next year. And he's basically saying most clubs are basket cases, but not the ones that I'm involved with. And hello to St. George Illawarra and the Newcastle Knights. And... And at the same time, he went at some length about origin selections, how that uh, you've got to have an eye to the future. So there's no way I'd be picking the Adam Reynolds, Cody Walker cabal, (laughs) therefore protecting his own competition for, you know, position. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, what we heard from Wayne Bennett is ultimately his genius, right? Because he said it's got nothing to do with the players. And what is he? He's a men manager and they love him for it so much so that you know that they brought him to the dressing room at Leichhardt after the game they brought him in did you know what they brought him what the players got for him oh did they buy him a present take away from Grappa restaurant just down the road (laughs) (laughs) oh he's a big fan of that now that just down the road that was was obviously a dreadful dreadful thing that happened but but in the weekend where there was so much disaster, so much controversy, there was one thing that had saved rugby league. One man, not boy, one man, one good-looking man who saved rugby league. 
Who was it, Chris? A good-looking man who went on a journey from boyhood to manhood through his rugby league career and then his journalistic career. And now as he moves into the third part of the triptych, Dennis, player, oh. journalist, football official. We speak, of course, the no one that – and didn't he just absolutely offset the gingham beautifully, the pink gingham Bronco <laughs> shirts? The great Ben Eichen, he's turned uh, the whole ship around. I mean, we're all just desperate for crumbs of decent football these days. And the Brisbane Cronulla game up at Suncourt Stadium, so Sunday afternoon, can I dare say it, dry fast track, was absolutely uh, – thoroughly entertaining it was like i was looking at rugby league hang on two years ago and i went to the statistics dennis and one call was made right on full time but prior to that over the 80 minutes journey of the game how many ruck infringements do you think were called well the average is sort of eight to ten a game aren't they three dennis Three. three, including the late one. Three. No, I think wow. the late one made it four. But uh, this was a throwback, and it was everything that we've grown to miss about rugby league and love about rugby league. And we put it down to one person, Ben Iken. But I tell you what, it's got Ke- Kevy absolutely, <laughs> absolutely reborn, and uh, he had this to say about the future of the Bronx. Well, Kevy, mate, you've. Said the uh, you hit the reset button this week, and it was almost a testament to that. Um, yeah, just yeah, great. We had a great preparation coming back. We reset, and I thought every bit of our game today improved. Are we where we need to be? No, but certainly some some really big improvements across all levels, you know, of our game. Well, there you had it. And look, take it from a Tigers fan, you put a lot of value in one win. And it seems like mm. Kevy's put a lot of value in that one win. And he went on to say later that we are now in clear water, you know, with the Icon Donaghy, Walters, Cabal, <laughs> with my brother Steve as, you know, football, man, uh, you know, sort of day, game day manager or whatever role he's playing. We are in clear water and the Broncos are going to make a, a charge for the premiership. And he says so because all it took, Dennis, was hitting the reset button. But I'm not so sure... It's just that easy to hit reset. So I'd love to hit the reset button and just, you know, we go back to a homeowner mailwoman. No. Why no? No. no. Well, you, you feel we're beyond resetting? Yeah, I think we are. Why? Why? Yeah, you reset. Let's hit the button. I don't think I can do that. No, we hit the, we hit the big button. You can't just press a button. You can't just press a button. Why, why, why not? Yeah. <laughs> so... There might be still some tough times up there north of the border, Dennis, but let me tell you, all New South Wales Origin fans took something also out of that game, and that was Payne Haas chasing down the flying Cronulla player who was going to score a consolation meant nothing try on the 80th minute. And it gets me thinking, Dennis, it's Origin time again. It's Origin time again, and... Of course, Josh Papali just last year chased down the flying Jamal Fogarty and brought him down. And was he was I, he really flying? <laughs> well, it was it was the fastest run of the year. Like the the tracker, the the matrix around the ground tracked him. He went he broke thirty eight k. It was the fastest run he had for a few meters. He was the fastest NRL player. So Papali, it was an astonishing thing. Papali is faster than Trevojevic and Edo Carfact. Statistically, over the year, last year, yes. Wow. But my point from that is this. 
I think it might have buggered him. I think he's done after that run because he hasn't he hasn't been at his best since then. He he you know went off and did some boxing and he's oh boy. This this oh. is this is the problem for a lot of creative people. I mean, it's generally said that we've all got one novel or one album in us, and maybe mm. Papa Lee he's just had one run in him. And he that was his it, hit. And that's it. It's and over. That was his stats in Queensland, if I dare say that. That was, <laughs> <laughs> that was it. And this weekend, this weekend, we've got Jackie Boy Whiten playing uh, for the for, for this origin. Sorry, he's, he's at number six. And um, I love Jackie Boy. I always have. Hand on heart. I love Jackie Boy. But his form hasn't been that good. I'm really hopeful that, uh, wow. you know, I'm actually terrified. I am absolutely terrified of him and Mitch Moses. Mitch Moses. So Jackie Boy's playing in a team which has started, they've learned how to lose. They had a few years where they'd forgotten they have, how to lose. But they haven't practiced All they knew was it, how apparently. to win. <laughs> they haven't and, been practicing and They have been practicing how to play footy, but they haven't been practicing winning on the field. So... Jackie Boy comes with that. So if any pressure gets put on, I worry that Jackie Boy might then go, here's the familiar pattern, these comfortable old pair of shoes, I'll slip these on, I'll stop making runs, I'll just throw the ball early to someone else. And inside him, (laughs) inside him, he's got Mitchell Moses. Mitchell Moses, who, uh, yes, sure, he has the most famous grandmother in origin history. Absolutely. But he himself is... Famously considered, he's the new Braith and Nasta for being most overrated player in the NRL. You're making and he's, the, he's also he is the flat track bully. Well, there's a, a number of things that you've raised there, Dennis. First of all, I think Freddie's smart enough to keep Whiten and Moses on opposite sides of the field. He's not going to try and do oh. the, the Cleary Luai link up. Surely, just you take Trevojevic, you take Latrell, and just you know what? Here's my instructions pass on the ball. Um, <laughs> secondly, you referred, of course, to Benny Elias' grandmother, who was famously seen no, as... No, Benny Elias' mother. Mother, Who I is Mitchell Moses' grandmother. grandmother. Uh, um, and she's not doing that well, according to the press, and we send out our best wishes to her. But she, of course, was mopping yes. up the blood off Benny after a, a victory at the uh, Sydney Football Stadium in Origin. Not just mopping up. She ran on... She invaded the pitch. She illegally... She should have been fined five grand, but no one's going to fi- fine her five grand. She ran onto the field, didn't care about the result, was just trying to mop the blood off her son. This is a mother's love. This is what rugby league's all about, Chris! I love being able to explode, miss. That's completely untrue that's just mythology she was actually mrs elias was actually part of the new south wales team and she was on in that uh, squad for that particular purpose because she's well known as being the cut person in the corner for a number of boxes that came out through the 70s and 80s in this great town did of she Sydney. have a magic sponge oh, did she, she was have great with, with the, the magic sponge, sponge? And, and she just go you're dropping your left you're dropping your left it confused benny but, but still but Mitch, the selection of mitchell moses himself and a friend of the show david garnsey I know is absolutely a huge fan of Mitchell's work and is tremendously excited and and is you know uh, really really glad that Wayne was able to do such a sell job on for God's sake please don't pick Reynolds and Walker but <laughs> there was of course the other Moses as a Moses Mbai who ran on for his 150th game at an empty Leichhardt oh, on the no. weekend and he struggled a little bit to get through the 150 game banner and I saw. And true fan of the show, Terry Bull, pointed out saying, you know, another player having trouble parting their banner. And I said, to be honest, Moses did a better job parting the Red Sea than uh, M. did with that banner. And then Terry pointed out, 
but the real religious miracle is Mitch Moses got selected for Origin. Uh, Daniel it's all Sa- coming up. It's all coming up, Moses. Daniel Saifidi's out, so if they're playing at Newcastle, that's that's a shame. Uh, Brimson and uh, Ponga are back. Hunts and Hooker, and they're all saying that this is the best team Queensland's picked this series, and that's a team <laughs> with Ben Hunt and Hooker. Just get your mind around that, will you? But you know who won't be there, um, Dennis? Who won't be there? Ronaldo won't be there. No, poor old Ronaldo won't be there. In fact, I've been so moved by Ronaldo's case that I've, I've written a little song about it. Let's do it now. Ronaldo Muletalo is one of Queensland's favourite sons. He's from the North Island of Queensland, from where so many Queenslanders come. Ronaldo Muletalo, yes, he's from Queensland through and through. Ronaldo lives and breathes for Queensland, but he can't play for the Maroons. To play Origin for Queensland, there's a three-part questionnaire. Did you arrive before you turned 13 or were you born there? Did your parents play for Queensland? Just one yes and you'll be fine. But Ronaldo answered no, 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 yet thinks he qualifies. Ronaldo Mulitalo is one of Queensland's favourite sons. He's from the north island of Queensland, from where so many Queenslanders come. The NRL gave rule exemptions for Joseph Suali and Sonny Bill Williams to join the Roosters team. They won't give an exemption for Muletalo. They'll change their rules for the Roosters, but not for the Maroons. Ronaldo Muletalo is one of Queensland's favourite sons. He's from the North North Island of Kiwisland, from where so many Kiwislanders come. Ronaldo Muletalo Oh yes, he's from Queensland Through and through Oh yes, he lives and breathes For Queensland But he can't play for the Maroons And now, it's time For the latest instalment Of the life and times of Gus Gould Gus was all over Gus is taking Gus is taking over the bunker I'd be like Homer Simpson at the <laughs> nuclear plant. Mm, donuts. And that was the latest instalment of the life and times of Gus Gould. Mm, donuts. <laughs> oh, I do love it when people say nuclear. <laughs> <laughs> Pat, what do you got for us? Well, I trust Danny Widler. Yeah, well. It's so important with regards to, you're right, I got the wrong, yes. the wrong game. Can call you fine today? No. I can't get fine today, can um, I have no intelligence. That's what I'm suggesting. Dennis. Yes, Pat. I want to play a game with you. I'm ready, Pat. So, spoiler, our uh, media watch this week is Spud Carroll. Spud! Um, yes. I'm going to play you a clip. So he's been prompted in one of these, like, uh, round the grounds, you know, uh, you know, quick minute or whatever it's called. So they've, they've prompted him with a question. I'm going to play you his answer, and you need to tell me what the question is. Is that true? Can I go? Yes. Okay, to quote the band The Killers, I've got soul... 
but I'm not a soldier. I mean, Wally, Alfie and Big Gordon, they'd be turning, in, not in their graves, they're ashamed. OK, so a blue rinse in two games out of three. Queensland said, sorry, Tubes, you've got no un unwinnable uh, argument here. They've got no soul and certainly have no soul and certainly aren't soldiers. <laughs> what, what's, what are you, what's he talking about? What's he trying to say? Did Vonnie say, Spud Carroll, did the Queensland <laughs> origin team have a soul? That is true. That is true. Because so he did say soul, 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 soldiers several times. But, but he did say, they, I have soul, but I'm not a soldier. So how oh. is that? Which is a quote from the killer song, All the Things She Said. Correct, Pat? All the things I've done. All the things, all I've the things done. she said. All the things she said, of course, being the Russian uh, sister's tattoo. Oh, tattoo, right. So that, <laughs> yes. the killer song is performed or mined to by Justin Timberlake in the movie Southland Tales. Has anyone ever seen Southland Tales? I can say no. I haven't. I have it. It was... It was it's an extraordinary film. It's an absolutely extraordinary film. Uh, it's got The Rock in it, uh, Timberlake, as I mentioned, and it comes off the back of a graphic novel. And the director who made it, basically, uh, his career was in tatters. It was the guy who directed Donnie Darko. And then he's done Southland Tales, and he went south, and he tried to make a comeback with that Cameron Diaz vehicle, The Box. But I can't recommend it more. Is Spud in it? I think, I think Spud is it. <laughs> Speaking of Bonnie, by the way, who's come off a stellar first week in NRL 360, she was – they were discussing how, you know, with Ben Iken saving rugby league that there's a new training <laughs> regime at the Broncos and the trainers come in and hit them hard. And uh, our very good friend Carmen – I think we – yes, I think we have a clip of that. Oh, really? Um, yes, we do. I'll hear that. The roster's a patchwork quilt at best of times anyway, so we're probably seeing that. Look, it's the old gay waterhouse model. She gets the horses in, she works them hard. If they can't do the work, she gets rid of them. Yep. That's, got, that's the new Broncos model. There's a few model. carrying shin splints in the Broncos There's, at the and, moment. And there'll be a few more for the way it's going. Yeah, right, get the white curtain out. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a that's a tough regime. Wow, funny. Bonnie used to work at the Eagle Farm Equine Hospital. So she's had a little bit of experience there. And they're referring to the, the tougher training regime that's been brought in now that Ben Eichens come and save rugby league. And as a result of that, Albert Kelly, 30, did his hamstring. Uh, ben Teo, 34, went down with a calf injury. Carmichael Hunt, friend of the show, 34, did the same. And <laughs> Kenny, Kenny was referring to their old men injuries. And we know that the successful rugby league team can't just be men. We need boys to men. And, we need adolescents. And Vonnie put it perfectly when she said, I think it's time to get the white curtain out for some of those Broncos. And again, it's just more evidence that Ooh. Ben Eichen is saving rugby league. What else, Pat? Um, you were talking about Justin Timberlake before? Yeah. Well, can I give my Janet Jackson piece for today? Uh, it's been the most popular part of the show, Chris. You've got to let it out. I'm single-handedly reviving her career. Her highest-selling album... <laughs> so her highest-selling album is uh, Janet Jackson's Rhythm Nation 1814 or 1814, depending on how you look at it. I actually named my basketball team after that album. We were called Rhythm Nation 1993, which takes you back to the time. The album came out in 1989, had four singles, Rhythm Nation... What year? Uh, it came out in 89. 
1989. Yeah, which... Okay, thanks. One argues you probably should have called it Rhythm Nation 1989, but anyway. Four singles, Rhythm Nation, Miss You So Much, Escapade and Black Cat, and Black Cat, and get this, that Black Cat was written specifically for the Penrith Panthers. That's a little right. fact. And the album is... is it, the, did Gus Gould commission that? That's right. And it's the only one in history to have three number one hits in three separate calendar years. Oh. Wow. How about was that? Black Cat, did Black Cat get to number one in 1991? I, I believe so. And it sold more than 12 million copies worldwide, and it is definitely worth checking out. So what feedback do we have, Pat? So we were talking last week about uh, Rugby League University. Uh, yeah. And we remember we were saying that um, that we'd have uh, Mitchell Pierce teaching literacy. Oh, sorry, literature. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. We got uh, Spud. I don't know Spud. We got uh, Benny teaching maths. Ronaldo yep. teaching geography. Yep. yep, yep. Uh huh. And the Fire Up Brains Trust have jumped on. We got Andrew Ison saying that Brian To'o teaching dance. Yeah, um, nice. We certainly Love won't it. have him teaching music based on um, his taste that we've heard of. We've got interpretive Andrew- dance. Interpretive dance. Andrew Callov saying Stephen Hawking's on how to play the ball correctly. And I don't, mm. I don't know if you guys have ever seen uh, Jared Wallace play the ball, but that's a thing of beauty. <laughs> Does he play for the Titans? The Titans, yes. He plays the ball well, like he, he kind of plays. I've never seen it then. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I certainly didn't watch any of the Titans game on Saturday. I heard somewhat on the radio, and it, the first time in, I would say, oh, 20 years, first time since I've had Foxtel, uh, I chose. I went to a girlfriend's place and watched Rick and Morty rather than watch the second half. Sure, because you described it as a game. I wouldn't describe it as a game anyway. A lot of people yeah. saying the worst game since the Melbourne Storm loss in 2013. Mm. Uh, Terry Bull and oh. Mark Thornton saying Hopper teaching anatomy. And it's certainly been an interesting week for that family. Well, can we, can we mm. very briefly touch on that, of course, is that... Uh, uh, Jamil, I believe, is the son of Hopper, is at least out on bail because it turned out uh, that... Just got to pick you up on that. You said the son, the, that definite <laughs> article is singular. Yeah. A son? Ah, a son, because there's, there's about 13. I, I don't want to continue now. <laughs> anyway, he's on, he's on bail because the bag of cocaine that was alleged that he threw away when he approached the truck in the incident that he's charged for by the police was actually uh, turned out to be fake cocaine and it was actually an inert material and therefore they said, how can you throw, his defence says, how can you throw away a bag of cocaine when it's not actually cocaine, which is kind of, I guess, their version of a tree falling in the woods, isn't it? I got mm. arrested once for... He believed it to be cocaine. I got arrested oh. once for a, um, a literal bag of sugar. Very literally a bag of sugar. And when they were... Um, I said to the police that... Um, that yeah, you're gonna you're gonna tell this story at your Christmas party. This is like just a bag of sugar, and then it turns out that um, I DJ'd this particular police branch's Christmas party the year before, um, and they had to call it something different. They had to call it a social club, not the police station, because I think they were predicting um, some antisocial behaviour. <laughs> and and, and uh, were you? Uh, did you offend the Australian Dental Association because you had the bag of sugar, or what was the story? It was a big there? bag of sugar. Uh, yeah, didn't hear the end of it. I spent yeah, uh, long story, and, but I didn't hear the end of it. 
And an eerie echo for the Hopawatis, former NRL player, as again, someone pointed out, describing him as a star was too much. Kenny Edwards faces a hefty ban after being accused of putting his finger up an opponent's bottom in Huddersfield's heavy defeat to the Catalan Dragons over the weekend. <laughs> the uh, player who apparently was being examined, if I can use that word, was Sam Cassiano. And I haven't heard Sam Cassiano's <laughs> name for some time. Edwards has been hit with a grade F charge of other country behaviour. If um, uh, sticking a finger up someone's <laughs> bum is only grade F, I'd hate to think what a grade A offence is. And he could be out for eight matches. As indeed, Catalan's Joel Tompkins was given eight matches last year for a similar offence. So don't let anyone tell you that John Hopawati <laughs> wasn't anything but a pioneer in rugby league. So absolutely. So is, is, grade F, is grade F like a euphemism for fisting? Is that- <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you're referring to, Dennis. Are you sure you were watching Rick and Morty videos? on Saturday night. <laughs> Very sure. <laughs> what else you got, Pat? Um, speaking of rugby league uh, uh, royalty, uh, Stuart Marler saying mm. Nate Miles and Julian O'Neill on home maintenance uh, because of their... Yes. Nice. Because of painting and floor uh, coverage. Yep. <laughs> uh, we got... Uh, Julian, Julian could probably be in there because... It's, yeah. We're in the middle of winter, but in summer, it's it's a real problem around Sydney, particularly the leafy North Shore, where the the funnel webs come out and hide in your shoes. And yep. I believe that yeah. <laughs> Julian had a, had a cure for that. He'd be good at chemistry as well, because didn't he try and set the Danny the Dolphin alight, the mascot? Well, we have another suggestion. <laughs> I with a burner. We have another suggestion from Cam Short saying that Julian could potentially teach HR. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Um, we got Mark Thornton and Tim Morris saying Mal Meninga teaching politics. And then Daniel... Oh, that'd be a great idea. Daniel Michael saying well, that he could also teach legal studies because he also represented uh, David Fafida nice. at the judiciary this year. I, I do. Yeah, you could probably get Paul Ozzy Osbourne. You could, actually, the political science department would be quite big. You'd have Paul Ozzy Osbourne, who was a politician for, I think, 17 years or something in La- Canberra. You'd have Glenn Lazo- Lazarus, Lazo- of course. Dowling, great. Felix Annesley, of course. Dishad Dowling. Tim Manda. Oh, I mean, Felix, ex- there's quite wow. a crossover. Paul Osborne could teach home economics with his um, creative shopping habits. <laughs> yes, there's another one. By the way, uh, there was a disturbing development this week about Emeritus Professor Elias, which I really want to share with you guys before we go. He was asked about his nephew Mitchell <laughs> being selected for Origin, and he was asked whether Moses would be able to handle the pressure and intensity of Origin football, and Elias responded, 100% he will. Now, that, that seems that very seems a very low. Yeah, that's a very low percentage for him. Seems very unelias to me. I mean, I wasn't expecting 170% he will, but I thought at least 110% would, yeah. Have, been, yeah. would have been consistent with his worldview. 100% is just a low pass, isn't it? Yeah, this barely registered. I, no wonder we're worried about Mitch just, in that, origin. That's, that's what he's saying. He'll he'll just handle it. Just. I just around just around it out. We got uh, Victor Avesdo saying roosters on accounting. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but that will be as as uh, Wayne Bennett was. That'll be the back office, not the yeah. players. And, and yeah. can I say again, reflecting on the roosters getting touched up by the Melbourne Storm, the trouble with the sorry, roosters- the roosters getting what? Could you say that again? I said touched up. I'm not able to say that these days. No, no, no. I, I just, I just want to hear you say the Roosters getting touched up by the storm again. I, well, I, I, I love hearing. Was it a touch- what was the score in that one? Forty-six. 
to donut. And forty six nil. So the Roosters didn't score a point. No, and boy, I've had some fun uh, explaining <laughs> to everyone why uh, uh, Christian Welsh's hit on Sam Walker was legal. But again, there's more evidence. The Roosters, their trouble is they're not fielding boys journeying to men. They're just fielding kids. Sam Walker and young Joseph Sawali. I mean, it's these poor children are suffering out there. It really upsets me. Well, it doesn't really. Doesn't upset me in the slightest, and it is wonderful hearing Roosters fans blowing up deluxe, if I can use that term, about Sam Walker getting hit. A couple of hits on Sam Walker, where I'm sorry, if you put a boy out on the rugby league field, you, why should Christian Welsh or Justin Olam? Why should they go easy on the kid? The kid's trying to throw Harbour Bridge passes left and right yep. and make them look like idiots. It's like, sorry, boy, you're playing against men. Bang! And that's a legal hit. Bang! And that's another one. I'm sorry. And you're the team that has Jared Warrior Hargraves, who I have repeatedly blown up about. All he does is cheap shots and dog shots. How he stayed on the field. He's only been sent once in the entire crackdown, which is an absolute farce. And again shows the favouritism that those entitled roosters have. How they can blow up when they have that clown hitting everyone smaller than him in the entire world once he crosses the white line. Apparently a lovely bloke. But how they can... They cannot have the cube. They can't be blowing up about one little... A couple little hits. It's pretty well not a visual medium at the moment, this show, because, Dennis, I just watched Thor Ragnarok, and when you get fired up, you're very much like Mark Ruffalo about to turn into the Incredible Hulk. It's really quite something to see, except you go pink, to- pink rather than green. Yeah. Like, by the way, I just had to wipe the camera down because there's a little bit of spittle on there. Olam, he just threw a beautiful right-hand turn to level Walker from some distance, and I just the word exocet just came to mind. It, it really, was, really was a work of art. Just Terrific stuff. Pat? So it's my segment, so I'll give myself the final word. Um, Please. I've got, I've got Corey Parker teaching international diplomacy. And this is, a, this is a quote of his from last March, but just listen to how timeless it sounds. There's a lot of uncertainty around the happenings and I suppose the goings-on of the coronavirus. Terrific stuff. Wow. And we mentioned the expression blowing up deluxe. That group is starting to get some purchase, Pat. That is Blowing Up Deluxe. So on Facebook, hit Blowing Up Deluxe, and it's a, um, this isn't uh, this isn't Jupiter's, where everyone's allowed in. Um, we have a lot of <laughs> a lot of talk about Gus's Twitter account, Perry Hall pointing out that Gus was solicited to film a porno, which we responded, if I'm not there, start without me. <laughs> words, that, <laughs> words, words that Kurt Capel wished he'd taken heat off anyway. yeah, yeah. Uh, we've got Daniel Michael uh, who points out that Sticky conceded he might be part of the problem at the Raiders this year <laughs> the emphasis on the word part yeah Scott Atwood with a, uh, a photo of Paul Crawley and, and Paul Kent playing for the uh, Arimba in 1986 I can't wasn't wait wasn't that fantastic oh, yeah. that was the most wonderful picture I should I should share this because I got this last year I have a photograph share it. You sent might to make me the, by... uh, you might make the segment next week a friend of the show, Vonnie Sampson, sent it to me. It's a photograph. Let's try and say it. Of Paul Kent dressed up as Santa Claus when he worked at the River Mall as Santa Claus for Christmas. Boy, oh boy. That's, that was that's a, real. That was a different it's, it's time. Paul Kent. It's Paul Kent dressed as Santa Claus. That's up there with Gladys dressed as, um, as Wonder Woman on her 20th birthday. 
Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I'm just I'm just hanging out to watch NRL 360 tonight and see Paul Crawley go. Oh, it's just wonderful seeing the Travoyevichs display their wares. He won't dare. I'm telling you, he won't dare. <laughs> Chris, have you got anything? Is that it, Pat? Yep. Well, now isn't it now time for Chris's kooky controversy corner? No, what's it called? Chris's kooky correspondence corner, KKKK. Yeah, perfect. Chris's kooky correspondence corner. And there's just one piece that I want to bring to your attention, Dennis and Redfern, Pat. And I refer, of course, to a t- marvellous tweet that went out under the moniker Fire Up, which is at Fire Up NRL as opposed to our Facebook and Instagram at Fire Up Rugby League. And it showed a picture of the Roosters. What was that score again? 46 Nada. 46. On, so, so, the, so the Roosters scored nothing. Absolutely. With all that attacking silch. genius. Was, so Teddy wasn't playing, obviously. No, Teddy was playing. Oh, Teddy was playing. Mm. And they still couldn't score. With the best player in rugby league, they still couldn't score a single point. And, of course, Angus Crichton, so obviously, Angus Crichton had been origin duty, so he was playing. So um, Pappenhausen must have been cutting sick. He must have been going nuts. No, he wasn't, there, he was wasn't he? playing. He was out. Harry Grant. Oh, Harry, Harry Grant. Harry Grant. He must have been cutting sick. from. No, Harry what, Grant's no? injured. He wasn't there. No, he wasn't there. That, what, this is a half-strength storms, and, and they couldn't even score a single. Even Sammy Williams put in a try against the Titans. The Roosters got nothing. <laughs> I, I just had to look up again to remind myself of the exact score. And on my NRL Today app, I see the score that says Storms 46, and then the Roosters has just got the picture of the cover of Sir Fred Hoyle's The Black Hole. And anyway, there was a picture of the Roosters gathering under the posts after yet another Storms try, and Fire Up tweeted, the Bondi cluster is the Roosters standing under the posts waiting for a conversion. And kudos to you, Redford and Pat, because it actually went viral, and AB Sport tweeted it as good banter, dot, dot, dot. And let me tell you, if you're watching reality TV as much as I am, and I am, the most important thing in Farmer Wants a Wife this year is not looks, personality, a caring attitude. The farmers, what they're primarily looking for is good banter. So, Pat, this must be additional frustration for you because you got (laughs) turned away from Survivor, steered toward (laughs) Beauty and the Geek, and now the very thing that you've been publicly recognised for by our national broadcaster and the ABC Sport and Dennis had nothing to do with it was the exact quality that they're looking for for the contestants on Farmer Wants a Wife. Unfortunately, unless you've got something to tell us, Pat, you're not meeting the right gender requirement for those all particular I, farmers. All I can say is I'm liking the look of 90 Day Fiancé at the moment. <laughs> and, I, and I should just say, a, point, a shout out to Fletch from ABC. I, I did actually have nothing to do with it. I saw that tweet come up and I, I messaged the guy from ABC Sports Social Media who was on that night, Fletch, and said, do you know, do you know anything about the person that's tweeted this, the, the fire up? And he's like, no. He's from Adelaide. He doesn't even know what All he knows is the Rams. So top kudos there, Pat. And Fletch, I hope you're listening. I've seen the numbers. It could. It's possible that one yeah. person is listening. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and I guess we should say we hope that everyone's listening. And I, I think we've indulged ourselves a little bit longer today because it's lockdown and everyone's looking for things to occupy their time. And uh, we're happy to be part yeah. of that. Yeah, well, it took us long enough. Well, we're, we're looking for things to occupy our time as well, but we should probably wrap it up there. I'm Dennis Carnahan. Thank you, Redfern Pat. Thank you, Chris Gale. We're fired up. Hope you're fired up. Hope your team gets a win this week or doesn't get smashed in the bye or go out and have 13 players lost by we breaking COVID rules. George boys. <laughs> we had a winter. No, I don't think so. 
he didn't. So we've been fired up. Please subscribe, share it with your friends, and we'll speak to you next week. <laughs> <laughs>